You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. My incendiary systems can burn hot enough to consume VX, but they're still in the test phase. It's not operational. Hummel knows this. We are dealing with one smart son of a bitch. What's it going to take to equip a flight of F-18s with thermite plasma within the next 36 hours? An act of God. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! yippee mother... Welcome in. To action movie rewind, The Rock, 1996, Sean Connery, still looking good later in his career. How old was Sean at this point? Do we know? He's still alive. He's like he's in his early 90s now. Oh wow! So he would have been like late 60s, mid late 60s. Okay, in 1996. Yeah, you had Ed Harris, who was I, I wouldn't say he was one of like the best 90s actors, but he was in a lot of noteworthy stuff, Milk Money, all kinds of stuff in the Mm -hmm. 90s. And Nicolas Cage in the middle of a great stretch of action movies, playing wildly different characters in this movie versus Con Air. Here's the summary. Nicolas Cage stars as Stanley Goodspeed, an FBI chemical weapons expert, handed a unique assignment. Francis X. Hummel, Ed Harris, who's an insane Marine Corps general, has taken 81 tourists hostage on the abandoned island prison of Alcatraz. He and his men are threatening to bomb San Francisco with deadly gas that could kill tens of thousands unless $100 million is paid in war reparations to the families of servicemen killed in covert operations. Goodspeed is teamed with former British spy John Patrick Mason, Sean Connery, the only man to ever escape Alcatraz, as well as a Navy SEAL team. When their military escorts are ambushed, it's up to the odd couple Goodspeed and Mason to break into Alcatraz and stop Hummel. Just to to summarize the summary, basically, General Hummel, crazy general guy, corrals a group of 20 bitter Marines, takes 80 citizens hostage, (laughs) so they they break into a military weapons depot of some kind, steal a bunch of ammunition and deadly gas rockets and packets. Mm -hmm. They call the Pentagon and threaten to launch deadly rockets into San Francisco unless they get the $100 million from a military slush fund. And they're going to distribute to the families that they think deserve it of these recon Marines who uh, were basically swept under the rug. He offers to pay each of the rogue Marines on his staff, quote unquote, a million dollars each to help them carry out the mission. 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's start with Judd. What was your favorite part about The Rock? Well, first of all, uh, so Conair was released June 7th of 1996. Dude, this is a legendary action movie run. The a rock, legendary the rock, run. The Rock, gentlemen, came out June 2nd. So a little less than one year later, June 2nd, 1997. Dude, okay, When did Face Off come out? So like Nicolas Cage, we're talking about an extraordinary run of summer blockbusters. Yeah, he had back when people went to summer blockbusters. He had so he had Leaving Las Vegas in 1995. Different type of movie. He, so he had Leaving Las Vegas. The next year he had The Rock. 97 he had Con Air. Later in 97 he had Face Off. 
And then he had City of Angels in 1998. Plus, gone in 60 seconds in 2000. That's a remarkable Dude, run. Nicholas Cage. Which is why he does not have to act <laughs> if he doesn't want to these days. No. He still does sometimes. But my favorite part of this film, I have so many thoughts about this film. Dude, we've got like, all this kinds could of be, space to explore, like, baby. This, you might have to tell Roycey that rapping with Roycey might be a few minutes late today. You got it. This could be Strap a strap in. This could be a college class on. <laughs> be, because, look, last week's. Um, Action movie rewind commando. Just a great, great action film. Yeah. Mindless, uh, basically one or two star players, but that was it. It was a Schwarzenegger uh, uh, special. It was great. Well, this one made you think a little. This one also had, in my opinion, too many stars for what I want from this series because it had to have too many. Um, it's clear that they got these people and then thought, oh, my God, we've got to have a, a, a Connery storyline, which, by the way, was great. But we got to have the Cage storyline. We got Ed Harris, too. Let's write sort of a storyline for him. They flushed out the backgrounds of all these characters. Yeah, exactly, which is why which is why I've got a pace of a play problem here, <laughs> and it went too long. Uh, do you want my favorite scene or just my favorite takeaway, though? I would say give us your favorite takeaway, and then we'll get to f- favorite scenes later. My favorite takeaway was the fact that they could basically find an excuse to blow everything up without any reservation. They clearly had, I think of all the films that we have um, broken down so far in this segment since we started it, I think this one clearly, if you go back and look, has the biggest budget. Because, like, the explosions are pretty good. Dude, they, they actually, it doesn't look cheap. One of our followers, when, when we tweeted out we were going to do this movie early in the week, someone tweeted out an, a story article or something that part of the budget for this movie was essentially, like, restoring parts of Alcatraz. Okay, uh, yeah. They did a lot of the filming, apparently, at Alcatraz. Have you guys ever visited? I was there as a kid one I have time. Not. Uh, not Alcatraz. I've been to San Fran. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. Recently. I've been Ama- to San Fran. Amazing city. But, but, yeah. Con, but Con Air... So Con Air had a ton of explosions and special effects, and a lot of them struck me as being fairly cheap. Like, oh, that doesn't look good. And I thought as I watched Con Air that that was because that's what, now 23 years ago or 24 years ago? But in watching The Rock on Wednesday afternoon after I got home, because I I figured, you know, why not? um, The special effects and explosions actually look pretty good. And I think that's a Bruckheimer thing as well. So... I guess my favorite takeaway was, despite all the star power that we need to get back to, they had the want and ability to use special effects and blow up everything, including a lot of uh, San Francisco, with no reservation whatsoever. And your point about character development here versus last week's Rewind, Commando, Commando had so many unanswered questions that they didn't even (laughs) apologize for. Like, what happened to Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife? Like... Did him and the gal, Cindy, wind up being together? Was there an actual love? Like chemistry? They just said, you know what? Very minimal storylines. It's a it's a brutal force, Arnold Schwarzenegger, with his daughter that he loves that they showed for three minutes, and then it's just like, against, get to the point. Against his out-of-shape, fat old friend who now right. hates his guts. Th- bad, this um... movie is like, all right, we need... We need we need three different story arcs. We need background. But I'd like to talk about that eventually. I'd like okay. to. I'd like to get to the development of the stars, who, in my mind, clearly probably said, "I'm Ed. Air- I'm Ed Harris. I took this role. How about a little more script for me?" For sure. All right, Declan. What was your favorite part? I love the Rock. I love Sean Connery. I loved his development of like. I don't think they did a great job of like. Exp- maybe I wasn't listening, but how he was in prison. What he got? What he had oh, to do to get it. into prison? What was it? They did it. He he turned out to be what ex British ops. 
Yeah, he was a Brit- he was it. he was essentially a British spy from 30 years okay, ago. They gotcha. captured him. They captured him on either no charges or like they tried to get information out of him and he didn't give up information so they just like held him captive for 30 years. I thought his arc was really cool of like oh there's this crazy prisoner who looks like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings with his beard and long hair. (laughs) He gets cleaned up and cut like formulates this rope to throw the guy over. Oh that's great. And and the great and just like his his uh his skills of getting out of prison and getting out of situations was hilarious. Like it, it was also very strategic and cool, but I loved how Sean Connery basically was exactly the the X factor in the movie. Like it, the, the initial scene hilarious. where he has 30 years after he escaped from Alcatraz, he still has the timing down in that boiler room area where they're, tra- they're like trying to he tunnel their way through in. It. He rolls his like, and it's like fire and yeah. like things that could squash you and stuff. And like these Navy seals show up and they're like, how do we get through this? He goes, don't worry. I've, I've still got the timing down, and he goes. He goes through, and they thought they thought he was gone, but he hits the button to stop it. The chemistry thing, though, is hysterical to me because the first half of the film, when you're unclear and you think he's like a crazed maniac killer at first, he acts like he's just completely nuts, and then they sort of explain, "Oh no, no, here's the, as Phil said, he was held hostage by the United States, uh, or he was held by." the u.s for 30 years he knows what really happened with the jfk assassination and and from that time on they softened his character completely for sure it's like he's like i I like poetry and so they totally they didn't rewrite the character but they changed the character's demeanor completely from what you thought he was to oh no he's actually a pretty good guy so this is a good segue into my favorite takeaway from this movie my favorite part of this movie all right so i I start and just to like double check it i was like all right i'm gonna I'm going to write out what Sean Connery's character is before I get to my headline takeaway from this movie. So Sean Connery is a British operative from the early and mid 1960s, a trained killer who, cause he's cause all right, 1996, right? You go back 30 years and, and he was a, a British spy in the early to mid sixties. Then he got captured for 30 years. So we can assume that like the peak of his British spy career was like early to mid sixties, 65, 66. Then he gets captured. Okay. Right. Who knows where all the bodies are buried, mm-hmm. including what really happened with the JFK assassination and and Roswell, New Mexico. So he's got all this inside information. He's been operating below ground level, so to speak, in all these circles, fighting crime and maybe doing terrible things. He gets captured by the U.S. military, but refuses to give up any information for 30 years, staying strong to his British spy roots. The Rock is a James Bond sequel. 100%. Sean Connery, the most legendary James Bond of all time. The first ever James Bond. Yep. From 1962, I want to say, through, if you count the one he did, he did well, he did kind of an offshoot one in the early 80s, but he was the iconic James Bond, British spy, 007, from the early mid-1960s all the way into the early 70s. Then Roger Moore takes over. And there's so many little things in this movie that allude to it's like it's almost like Bruckheimer was teasing that this is a sequel to a James Bond movie. But he even dropped a line at one point, the, an exact line that he dropped in Diamonds Are Forever in the late 1960s, one of the great Bond movies of all time. I can't I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the context, but he said, but of course you are. When one of the women in, in Diamonds Are Forever said what her name was and it's some like all the all the Bond women names are like. Pussy galore, or whatever. Like they're all very tongue-in-cheek names, right? And and one of the women introduced herself to James Bond in one of these movies, and Connery just responds with, "But of course you are." 
right? <laughs> and he used that same line in The Rock. So they definitely were like teasing, hey, th- this is what James Bond would be if he got captured 30 years ago and then all of a sudden was like unleashed on some mission. He'd be sure. able to just knock out the mission, take like out all these rogue Marine guys. <laughs> the Rock is a James Bond sequel. That's good. That's a That's probably dead on. <laughs> So, all right, what is what is your least favorite part about The Rock? And then we'll dive into all the other odds and ends. Um, mine was easy. Way too many storylines I didn't need yeah. because I wanted it to what be. I wanted it to be an hour fifty, and I could have cleaned that up if I could go go back now with Jerry. Director I could Judd. sit down and I could take out parts easy. Okay, it did take an hour Key. before they actually got to Alcatraz. Yeah. So. I will give you a, a a relatively within the scope of the film small but key waste of my time and my day, and Stella's too because the, the dog sap I mean watched it. Um, Connery's daughter, the whole scene. Oh yeah, unnecessary. They're trying to, they're, they're trying to show that he's a human who no cares. right, but all he had to say, all he had to say. When Cage, when Cage is like, my wife's coming to San Francisco, and or my girlfriend's coming to San Francisco, and she's pregnant, was, I have a daughter, too, in the city by the bay. <laughs> That's all I needed. I didn't need this whole thing with this useless actress scene with her coming. I, 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 and, you need and, layers. Well, no, and they play, they, the problem was they tried way too hard, because I didn't care, to, to make you think that he was a terrible person and then soften him. I could have, you could have cut that scene out in a heartbeat. It would have taken at least, I think, five to six minutes off the film. So it was the development of characters. And then the secondary part off this is there were too many stars. Ed Harris is great, but that's a whole different film. Like the Ed Harris character could have been any, it could have been Judd Zolget. It could have been any (laughs) schlep who you want to kill. Um, Ed Harris's role, he's he's unbelievable. He's great. And I could have written a film off of his character, but it would have been a different hour and 30-minute action film in which he probably kills the good guys. Okay, so so I actually would have if you're if you're forcing me to remove a back for the for the length of time issue, right? Hey, listen, we got to get this thing under 2 hours, all right? <laughs> it's an action film. You got it. We can have these three guys in the movie, but you got to kill one of their you got to kill off one of their backstories. Like one of them's just going to be in the movie. Yes, sir. I actually would have killed off Nicolas Cage's backstory. I don't think we needed now the opening like the opening five or ten minutes of the movie was essentially detailing like the most roller coaster emotional day in the history of mankind where right and I, where, I got no problem where he too. gets the, the first ten minutes of the movie are like Stanley Goodspeed and his coworkers almost die because the care package that they were sent with deadly gases was like they were kind of joking around oh what's this they open it up and it's like. Oh, it's deadly and, gases that are going to kill you within five minutes his, if you don't snip the wires. And his buddy in in the Idiot. in the cage is it or in the chamber yeah. chamber, gas chamber waves the waves the doll hand and the gas com- comes out. Okay, just quickly too, can you guys explain one thing? Why on earth did his did the guy he's with in the chamber live? Two people I would have killed, and probably dramatically, that guy's face should have melted off. Yeah, because he he's like my suit's and burning. Way, up. Kill him if that guy. Another way to cut time off the movie, if, if that guy dies in that scene, you don't need the the weapons gathering scene that shows the the rogue Marine dying from the same gases. Just yes. like, hey, right off the bat, these gases kill people. This guy's going to be sacrificed. And the other guy, the other guy, and you, you, you played a soundbite at some point in time, the other guy that you've got to blow away in glorious fashion is Ranger Bob. <laughs> I mean, he's got to die an ugly, grisly, I'm a fat guy. You always kill the little fat guy. 
in America. Yeah, that guy has did, to be. Definitely you, has to be. Do you not want him dead? Do you not want him dead? 100% has yeah. to die, yeah. So so Sorry. so Goodspeed finishes. He he cuts the wire in time. No one dies. Then he gets home and sits down, lets out a sigh like, "My god, like what a day this was." And his girlfriend says, "Stanley, I'm pregnant." <laughs> And then proposes to well, him. But, He's just like, but he, no, first Goodspeed says, think, I don't ever want to bring a child into the world. And then she's like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you had a bad day playing guitar and drinking whiskey for the last eight hours. That wow. sounds like a, that's a good combination of Cage and Connery. Yeah, yeah, it's both. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Declan, what was your least favorite part about The Rock? I didn't like how Ed Harris's character turned at the end and how he, like, how he basically bailed on the on the missile plan it's gonna ding him in the bad guy standings at the end of this episode yeah when we I, rank the villains i i don't Got mind soft on us at the end i don't mind a bad guy realizing the error of his ways i just didn't like how they went about it i mean he he gets the cold feet when the pentagon calls and I mean, the, the whole the whole premise is we have deadly gases yes that according to their research one of those gas rockets, if launched into San Francisco, would kill seventy to eighty thousand people, right? Or sixty to seventy thousand people. Correct. You can kill a stadium full of, of civilians if you launch one of these in. So they're saying, listen, we got four of these things. We can kill like a quarter of a million people with the push of a button. Yep. We just want a hundred million dollars for these soldiers that we feel were wronged. Yep. And then we'll we'll be on our way. Now, of course, like they're literally sitting on a trapped island. Like, how would they how would they? Let's say the, the money gets wired. Like, where do they go? Right. Well, well he explains right, well, now how we're going to get on get a out. boat and go back. But no, he he explains what he wants along with the money to escape. Like the whole thing was pretty was pretty well documented, almost too well because it's like at that point in time you're like I don't really care how right. you're, like you're not getting off the island. I know that you're all going to probably die. But he winds up so he winds up getting cold feet when he tells the Pentagon, listen. We need all this stuff. And they say, we need another hour. Yeah. And he starts to get some 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 of his little psychopath comrades start pressuring him, saying, no, launch one of the rockets. Yeah. Especially- no, they can't. They're not going to get to extend <laughs> that the- little white guy is the typical. And you want him dead so bad. It's not even funny. I don't know what this clip is, but we're going to play another clip. A couple hundred years ago, a few guys named Washington, Jefferson and Adams were branded as traitors by the British. And now they're called patriots. In time, so shall we. God willing, in less than 48 hours, you will evacuate this island in gunships under cover of hostages and VX gas warheads. Your destination, a non-extradition treaty country. You will each be paid a fee of $1 million for services rendered. But you can never again set foot on your native soil. Can you live with that? So so he agrees to launch one of the rockets. He says, all right, let's do it. But then he goes in and redirects the rocket to a safe place that doesn't kill anybody. Right. The, his comrades come back in. These little weaselly, yeah. you know, steel jawed comrades. Hey, what's the plan? What happened? Who, who? What? What happened? Blah 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 blah. They confront him, and he says, "We bluffed. They called it. The mission is over." And then one of the great lines of the movie is weaselly comrade guy says, "Who said anything about bluffing, General?" <laughs> but and that's when the so the so the, the organizer of the whole thing is like, guys. But Declan's, we're not going to kill two hundred fifty thousand people. Declan's this is right. a bluff. But but Declan's right. Like, how can you get to that point and then be like, ah, uh, yeah, they didn't buy it, so we're not going <laughs> to yeah. do it. And, and by it the way, so lame. And, and by the way, you you are w- with all of these basically what Vietnam vets who you know are going to kill. Like, 
Your option is not, ah, it didn't work. I guess I'm going to jail. It's no, you're going to die. <laughs> so you've got to kill those people or you don't do it. Yeah, it's you can't get cold feet in that spot, man. I'm sorry. Not to mention, by the time that happens, I believe they had already killed the Navy SEALs, which brings me to my least. About, my, this can is we my, talk about that scene? This is my least favorite part about the movie, okay? Let me set this up. Oh, wait, this is going to be my favorite part, I think. <laughs> I love this part. <laughs> All right, so so we literally have. We I have cannot a, do that, sir. We have a Navy SEAL team that is set, and it's like 15 or 20 guys. Like, this yeah. is, these are the best. These are the best, like, undercover military soldiers you would think in the entire world, maybe. Like, maybe in the entire world, all right? Oh, my God. Sorry. And so so these dudes make their way to Alcatraz. Yep. Underwater, they're sneaking up to Alcatraz, and and they wind up getting completely ambushed by General Hummel's team of rogue Marines. And I'm like, how is this possible? So let's go through this, all right? So the scene where they get to the boiler room part of Alcatraz and they reach the fiery obstacle course part. Connery is the one that gets them through that because, like, they brought Connery in because you're the only one that's escaped from this place. And then he can open the door, yes. How do we get into yep. some sort of, like, a, a back entrance and sneak in and overtake this island? And, mm-hmm. and his role was to do that, and then he was basically, that, all right, we don't need you anymore. You just get us to a certain place, all right? Well, somehow they get to this communal shower area where, right. like, prisoners would go and take a shower. And they've got these little like these little uh, like snake cameras to go up through the like the drains to see what they're doing, but they wind up making noise and getting caught yep. as they're coming up through this this shower drain, and so you've got a team of like ten or fifteen Navy SEALs in this shower area, yep. and twenty or thirty rogue Marines with the high ground up above, and I'm just wondering like. How can a group of 15 Navy SEALs so incompetently go into this and just get slaughtered, like, in an instant? It doesn't make sense. Okay. All right. Like, they like they literally didn't even, like, put up a this fight. This is my favorite scene in the entire film, and here's why. <laughs> the very, the birth of action movie rewind, the very existence of this, of this segment is built around scenes like this. Unexplainable and just gratuitous violence, which is what I love. And I love the scene because it's so poorly yet adroitly done where the the guy who is, is the commander, where Ed Harris's character says, you know, put your weapons down. This doesn't need to, to happen. I cannot do that, sir. And like right there, you're like, yeah, he's going to die and his whole team's going to die. I cannot give that order. I cannot give that order. Stand down now. I cannot give then, that order. And then in typical in typical fashion in films like this. The shooting is set off by something like slipping and falling, and yeah. the guy's like, "Let's waste these guys," and then, <laughs> and then. But what's so great is okay. So, so the commander of of the actual army Navy SEAL team is in the middle of the action. So he's like in the middle of the shower room. He's surrounded by all the bad guys who start shooting. Now this guy would be hitting dead instantly, right? But instead, as they shoot the scene in Bruckheimer fashion, too, like this is probably everything he does. Quick cuts. Quick, exactly. Yeah. He lives for a good three minutes to five. And like he's like circling around and looking around. And they're like, it's, it's like, and he's not getting hit by bullets until he does, in which case they do this great job of documenting him falling down. The whole thing was, I absolutely said to myself, this is why we're watching this film. It is a great scene. And it doesn't make any sense. It makes at no all, sense. But it's but, a great scene. But that's what's so great. 
And and then and then the last part that I absolutely adore is Navy SEAL guy who's down uh, below still with with Connery and Cage who are below ground and that's why they don't get shot right. He's like, I'm going up, and Nicholas Cage character, no, you can't. You're looking, and he's, I don't care. I'm going up. Let me, and of course, comes up and immediately gets hit in the head with a bullet and killed, and and, and it's a death. You're like, yeah. I wouldn't wait for him to die. So the other thing in this scene, I was too, really, like, really like that. Scene. This was the first scene that they planted the seed of General Hummel not being as uh, like General Hummel. Yes. As the fire is happening five or six different times, he's yelling, cease fire. Yes. Cease fire. Like they sort of planted the seeds that he didn't really want to kill anybody. <laughs> by the way, he's he's sitting. He's basically sitting down covering himself so no one can hear him. Yeah. He, he didn't he didn't <laughs> want it to come down to this. But but here it is. Um, all right, other observations from this movie that stand out to you guys that we should get into. I've got a million, by the oh, way. Oh, so. I, I do too. The end, the end scene. So, so the Navy SEAL team got wiped out, right? They're all dead. Like they sent in their best men, men who I'm sure were scheduled to fight, barely got know, a shot off, barely yep. got a shot, and got <laughs> wiped out. And and the team back in San Francisco knows this, right? So the end scene when it's just. Goodspeed, who's a nice character, but if you're the army, you don't really care that he is alive or dead. And Connery, who you clearly, who they don't like and hate, they're like, are there any survivors among the hostages or something? And and Goodspeed's character is like, you know, there are no casualties. And they're like, yay! Your whole Navy SEAL team got wiped out, okay? (laughs) And they give the, yay, no hostages. (laughs) So in other words, Ranger Bob, who should have been killed too, Jerry, Ranger Bob lived and you're happy. And your Navy SEAL team, who I would assume you spent millions of dollars training, just got his fill, said wiped out with no comeback. Yeah. How, How does the Pentagon in that situation, so as you play this out, right, so there's 80 hostages, all in, they're all like, they've all been locked into these Alcatraz jail cells, right? Yes. So as the Pentagon plays this out, and they alluded to this briefly at the beginning of the movie, let's say this standoff plays out for several hours. Yeah. Like, hypothetical question. What do you do? Do you do you call the families and say, uh, "Hey, we had an issue with the, the boat that was supposed to take the." Like, they're all fine. They're just waiting for a new boat or something. Like I kept thinking about the logistics of this because this would be a huge news story. And then all of a sudden, toward the end of the movie, because the the president has has come to terms with, I have to make a decision now. Now that our fifteen Navy SEALs have just been completely bowled over by these rogue Marines, who weren't very good, by the way, we have two. We have two decisions. We have to make one of two decisions. We either allow them to send rockets into San Francisco and maybe kill like seventy thousand people at a time. Yep, yep. I got which would which would buy us time to like maybe send another team out there to go fight them. Yeah, or we just bomb the island. Yeah. And we kill the 80 civilians and Goodspeed and Mason and, and then all of the rogue Marines. And we just like everyone that's on the island, sorry that Goodbye. 70% of you are just innocent bystanders. We kill everyone. Right. Imagine being a tourist hanging out by the Golden Gate Bridge and you see these fighter pilots fly underneath the Golden Gate Bridge yep. over to Alcatraz. Yep. Stanley Goodspeed's got the green smoke signifying, hey, like 
We're all, well, everything's good here, right? And I love how this little he's twerp, on his knees. He's a twerp at the start, too, right? I'm a scientist. By the end, he's this like Con Air guy again. N- Nicholas Cage with the thing, waving the green things. He's got the green smoke. Yeah. And a plane comes by, and one of the guys. So at the last second, guy in Washington, D.C. says, abort, 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 because they see the green smoke. And one guy accidentally launches a bomb onto the island. Okay. So just imagine, if you will, because they didn't explore this. Imagine, yeah, if you will. The reaction across like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. Yeah, well. Oh my God, the military just bombed Alcatraz. There's all these people probably watching from the shore in San Francisco. And meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, my favorite sort of subtle part. A 49ers game is being played at Candlestick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to which to which the one bomb goes over the stadium, and they're like, you know, hey, it's the 49ers and Raiders coming up. <laughs> Some problems on Alcatraz, but we'll just we'll worry about those later. It's football night in America here in San Francisco. I just oh, love how the bomb goes over Candlestick, and they're like, oh, hey, what was that? The other thing I want to bring up, too, there are some amazing quotes and one-liners oh, in this yeah. movie. We're going to play one here in a second, but... Uh, but Sean Connery is just full of one-liners and great stuff throughout the movie. It's just like a Bond movie. You know, go figure. But at one point, he tells Nicolas Cage, "Losers always whine about losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and bleep the prom queen." That's a great line. Great one. And then there's this one when Stanley Goodspeed, <laughs> nerdy scientist guy, is uh, trying to fend off rogue, crazy military guy. And this interaction takes place. I think we got started off on the wrong foot. Stan Goodspeed, FBI. Uh, let's talk music. Do you like the Elton John song, Rocket Man? I don't like soft. Oh, you don't? Oh, yeah. Well, I only bring it up because uh, it's you. You're the Rocket Man. That was my favorite scene. <laughs> easily right my easily my favorite scene. It's such a weird, corny, like there's no... There's no way to deliver that line and have it not be super corny. Right. Hey, Stanley Goodspeed, oh, uh, hey. let's talk music for a second. Oh, do you? Okay. Uh, do you oh. like the uh, Elton John song, Rocket Man? So, no, I don't like soft-ass bleep. So Cage spent the entire film, though, I felt like going back and forth between n- nerdy Nicolas Cage and tough guy. For sure. And so they like had him transitioning it to, I'm Stanley Goodspeed. What's going on? I'm Stanley Goodspeed. I'm going to kick your ass. I mean, it's like, but... um. Yeah, it was it was an experience. I would say that I would have liked to seen it at 150 or so. Fair. That's fair. But um That's fair. Oh, oh, and also, how about the I think it was the initial FBI agent that they sent uh, to talk to Connery's character? Is he not one, how did he not die? Two, is he not the definition of the meathead FBI guy who is like goes in and he's going to get his answers? Well, that it was such actually, a 90s. That, that's a great point because the other, I, I do think ultimately The Rock is a tongue in cheek James Bond sequel. Yep. The other thing The Rock is, is Die Hard on a Prison Island. For the for that reason, you had you know you have FBI yeah. guy who's kind of an idiot. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. A terrorist group takes hostages and then spends most of the movie trying to sniff out where the rogue good guys are left over and then threatening to blow stuff up to get what they want. All yeah, key ingredients right. to a Die Hard movie. Die Hard and Alcatraz. Uh, and then one other thing, the end scene where Goodspeed kills the last rogue Marine. I thought that was the best kill of the movie. Where th- So these little these gas oh, balls, yeah, are like, yeah, they're like the size awesome. of tennis balls. And, they, and he shoves one in the guy's mouth, punches it down his throat. So the guy just like, ah. you know, his throat just like, in, is just incinerated. 
And then because he's got gases on him, Stanley Goodspeed, he has to stab himself in the heart with the huge needle elixir or whatever the, the hell it is. enormous needle that right. you have to put in your heart. And then the best part is he gets up and he's fine. <laughs> and he lets Sean Connery's character go because he then goes and sits on a rock himself. And it's like, yeah, okay. I'll Amazing. see you later. Amazing. And then Connery tells him to go to Kansas to find the JFK. When did we as a country... When did the fascination with JFK's murder sort of pass? Because I feel like in the 90s, it became a very big thing. It was Again, huge in the 90s. Uh, yeah. Costner did the JFK film. I'm still very interested in it. I am too. But I feel like there was some point in time, 2000-ish or so, where I don't know if it was an age thing or what, but it, fe- it, it felt like that was a huge storyline. And it's really intriguing. It's, it's stuff, actually, and now we're sort of past. It's it. the thing that I want. I want to know like what the movie's explanation was for what happened to JFK. Because uh, like Cage at the end, Nicholas Cage figured out what happened to JFK at the end of the movie. Yeah, because Connery's character sent him mm-hmm. to a church in Kansas where the evidence was like taped to a pew or something. Yeah. Which like why is JFK? Oh. <laughs> I got one for you too. Okay, so if Connery's this threatening character, right? Like very concerning guy and at that point in time they want you to believe he's a complete psychopath do you really take him to the roof of a hotel to cut his hair yeah that seemed like a mistake like would you be he like instantly throws the one guy off of the side of the roof please don't kill me but do you like your haircut <laughs> yeah i love that oh and that's too. another guy you got to kill <laughs> yeah not necessary that guy's got to be not killed. necessary but who's going to kill him up there it's not going to be connery connery's got too much of a heart he's only going to kill also, the bad guys he's also, not going to kill the good guys when they were going down the escalator and just plowing through yeah. all of You're all right. the hotel employees was hilarious Man. all right i thought a couple more questions to wrap up action movie rewind here could this movie have gone an extra 30 minutes i think we all agree no it probably no. could have been 30 minutes less. Yeah, I yeah. think I, some stuff. I could have taken 30 minutes out. All right, definitive bad guy ranking. So in the in the six movies we've reviewed so far, the rankings are the, the number one bad guy is Cyrus the Virus. Number two is angry terrorist Ivan from Air Force One. Number three is the corrupt senator from Hard to Kill. Four is Chong Lee, the villain fighter from Bloodsport. Yep. Bennett in Commando, the, the fat mustache guy who looks like Freddie uh, Mercury. What? what? Plus 150 pounds. Yeah. Once you cool Minus off the Bennett. HIV. Cool and then and then Bodie from from uh, Point Break is a great character, but just like wasn't really a bad guy by the end. Right. I, I got to be honest. I put General Hummel last on this list because in the end, he didn't have the guts to actually pull off the terrible things that he was setting up. Like all throughout the movie, this guy was getting cold feet on killing anybody. Right. Including like the Navy SEALs at the beginning and the civilians. So I don't think at any point he had the guts to really go forward and pull off his mission. So therefore, cowardly bad guy General Hummel is last on my list. I'm with you. you guys disagree agree. with that? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And and that's why I think that if it had been me, I would have gotten somebody else to play that part. Because Ed Harris is too good for the role that it ended up being, which was sort of this wishy-washy, I can't really kill people, despite the fact that I'm like the most decorated Vietnam veteran of all time. Um, So I actually find fault with the film in picking Ed Harris, who was really good to play that role. Sure. And that wasn't even, like, the real bad guy was probably the guy that Cage kills last at the end, but he wasn't developed as a character at all, so... Yeah, I would say as far as bad guy rankings go, this was the most disappointing film in the sense the bad guy wasn't even, there was just not enough there. He had a heart of gold, really. Heart of gold. Yeah. Ceasefire! Ceasefire! On a 1 through 10 Seagull ranking scale, where do you guys rank The Rock? Go ahead, Declan. I would say... (laughs) 
I'd say a six. Okay. Like, it, it just, it's it's very Michael Bay-like, Bay right? I mean, there's explosions, and it's a humongous budget, but, and the storyline has its, has its faults, but I don't think it lived up to, like, crazy action hype for me. Okay. I thought there were scenes that were good, but I, I didn't think it lived up to, like, your typical action movie buildup. I think Declan's exactly right. In fact, I'm going to give it a five. Wow. Oh, like, okay. it's not a, wow. it, it's, it is a, it's a pretty good and probably... For the 90s, a really good movie, but there's just a lot of things that... Commando was just perfect. I don't care about the storyline. I want death. I want <laughs> violence. And I want it as quickly as possible. I want a microwave society type of uh, film, and this was not it. So I, I'm a little higher on it than you guys. It is, it is not Con Air. Con Air is the peak of Nicolas Cage's action movie run in the 90s. It's a seven for me. It's a good movie. It, run, it It's a little slow to get into the action parts. And uh, it's a it's a good solid watch. It's a movie that if it's on TV, I'm probably going to tune in. Whatever stretch it's in, I'm going to flip it on and see what happens. Did Cage have to then? So since Con Air was released in June of '96 and The Rock was released in June of '97, did Cage have to do something to get himself smaller? It's a good question. I don't. It's probably easier to do that than to go the other way for what he looked like in Con but, Air. I mean, he was he was chiseled in Con Air, right? He was. And he there's was no up. way that he was yeah. that big. Unless there was uh, some hanky panky with cameras, could have been no way that he Could've was been. that big. A lot of, lot of low, like, lot of low angles in Con Air, like Nicolas Cage walking out with hair flowing and the camera. Down Declan's from- right, right though. The chase in, in San Francisco is just glorious. So there it is, action oh, movie rewind. Last thing: How did the guy driving the cable car not only yeah, yeah. live, but his cable car goes? Ass over tea kettle at one point, and he's fine. It blows up, and then it, and then when it comes to rest, he's like, "You mother!" And it's like, "Dude, you're not alive!" And everybody, <laughs> and that's the one thing. Anybody that they they wanted to have lines, they didn't make look worse after a clear like near death explosion experience. Like Connery and Cage, they don't. Like they're like ducking through a tunnel and there's fireballs coming at them and they like go below the water, avoid it, get up and don't look like their hair's moved. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's the wonder of '90s action movies. Yeah, really. no kidding. There's there's more where like, that came wouldn't from you too. Have, but like, wouldn't you have done something to make them look a little bit more disheveled after they basically should have died? Listen, Judd. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of unanswered questions here. Okay, I love this. It, segment. It is Declan's turn to choose him. This is your yeah. first ever time choosing a movie. I think we said give us like two or three samples, unless you're 100 percent sure on the one you want to pick. Okay, I have a couple. One of them coming from a uh, brother Liam, who's a big fan of Mackie and Judd and Score North. Okay, he recommends Predator. Wow. So yeah. that's it's a it's action, but and it's a little sci-fi, you know, and and I guess you can maybe say a, a tiny bit of horror, but it has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Yep. It's from the 80s. It's under two hours. It's okay. 147. Okay. What else you got? I also had Speed. Speed was my other option. A little bit more on brand with it, but also a little longer, by the way. 156 on runtime. Yeah, but so, got just under two. Very but important. Just under two. So I would say, are those your two options? Those are my two options. I would vote for I think we should do both at some point because we just did a Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I would vote Speed for this one. Okay. I'm Speed as well. And because we, we did Keanu, what? Three films ago now, yep. so yeah, yeah. Let's save more Schwartz and Egger, and then we're still short. So we're still without Stallone so far. We have, is that not, right? we have not done a Stallone. Have we not movie done yet. Stallone. Yeah. So I say we do Speed, and then I'll pick next week, and I'll try, and I might do a Rambo. Okay, I feel like we need to do Stallone soon, don't you guys? I agree. Stallone is a Stallone's a badass. Like I've got in these more movies. Seagal, more Keanu. The other one is. Uh, 
is I, I think we need to do in the next month or so Roadhouse for sure as well. Roadhouse. You know, I, if we're going to do another Schwarzenegger movie, I might throw Kindergarten Cop in the mix at some point. Yeah, well, you know I, what? Just like Declan, you could be overruled. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, okay, so speed. Your Luther Brookdale Toyota helps us power Action Movie Rewind every Friday, whether they like it or not, quite frankly. And do they have speedy cars? Uh, they, they have pretty fast cars, but they're more known for their safety features at Toyota. Well, Keanu doesn't like that. And interior technology. Uh, that's the, that's what I would probably point people to when it comes to these new Toyotas. And if you're wondering, all right, what's, you know, I, I was interested maybe a couple months ago in a new car. I don't really know where things stand with this pandemic. Well, Luther Brookdale Toyota has announced a couple different things when it comes to safety precautions. Number one, they will actually bring a vehicle to you. You can test drive it and uh, and and you can do it in safe conditions. Number two, They've got 90 days deferred payment on both new and used vehicles and 0% financing on 2020 Camrys, RAV4s, and Tacomas. Uh, from a service standpoint, you can still bring your vehicle in. They have a no-contact system, including electronic checkout. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.